Thank you for inviting me to lead you in the united benefits of West and East Harp Tree with Hinton Blewett in meditations for Tuesday and Wednesday in Holy Week. Sound-only meditations are difficult because if we were to use extended periods of silence it would seem as if you had lost your signal. However, silences are important. So after a hymn and a short prayer, I will leave you to take time to add a period of silence wherever you are. I am basing these two meditations on Isaiah chapters 40 to 55. These chapters were written by a second Isaiah who lived about 150 years later than the first Isaiah, the writer of chapters 1 to 39. This first Isaiah lived and preached in Jerusalem at the end of the 8th century BC, at a time when the people of Judea narrowly escaped being conquered by the Assyrians in 722 BC. However, a hundred years on, they weren't so lucky when the Babylonians arrived. All the important people, the educated and the leaders of Jerusalem, were taken into exile in Babylon. Here they were deprived of the temple, the dwelling place of the Lord, the centre of their worship. If the Jews were to keep a faith in their God, then they were going to have to learn to believe in him without any outward traditional signs, symbols or sacred places. The second Isaiah, Isaiah of Babylon, sets about encouraging and strengthening the resolve of the people, just as the Isaiah of Jerusalem had done in his day. Things, Isaiah says, are going to improve. There will be a return, he declares. We are on the way back to re-found Jerusalem. Take courage, the Lord reigns. But the people are worried. How will the Lord do this? He didn't stop them being exiled, did he? He didn't, says Isaiah, because the people were corrupt and disobedient. Was God going to rescue people who were unfaithful to him? But now the debt has been paid. Israel has suffered for her sins. He calls Israel a suffering servant. Through the suffering of the people they have arrived at a place of redemption, of atonement. Listen to the words of the second Isaiah In Isaiah chapter 53, we're reading the whole of the chapter. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will adopt him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is a familiar passage. Although it is written about 530 years before Christ, it was quickly taken up by the followers of Christ. The Jews had returned to Jerusalem and had rebuilt it. The Babylonians had been conquered by the Persians, who in turn had given way to the Greeks, and after a few years of independence, they were now under the Romans. We are in the land of Herod, and his successors, and the things of the Roman Empire, and all that was not good in Jerusalem, it was a bad place in which to live. Corruption was endemic. Even the temple authorities were power-motivated, and when John the Baptist and then Jesus had stood up against them, they had been quick to act to eliminate them. The story of Jesus, who came to set his people free, to atone for their wickedness, to redeem them from the inevitable consequences of ignoring the Lord, even putting themselves in God's place, was the story of the suffering servant all over again. In Acts chapter 8, the servant of the Queen of Ethiopia is reading Isaiah chapter 53 on his way back to his Queen and St Philip the deacon explains to him that the present-day Saviour, who has lived and died and risen again, is Jesus. He is the Messiah, the Christ, and he is also the suffering servant. He suffered not just for the Jews, but for all who believe in him, wherever they come from, including Ethiopia. The servant is so impressed by this interpretation that he immediately decides to be baptised 
in the first available oasis. In the 10th chapter of Mark, Jesus addresses his disciples. Here the Son of Man is a suffering servant. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whosoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. For second Isaiah, the ransom has been paid. The consequences of disobedience have come to an end. The people were redeemed. They returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt it. The narrative was, we have learned from our mistakes, the future will be different. Ha ha, it didn't take long for new tyrants to appear. And so it goes on and on and on. Each generation throwing up their tyrants, their oppressions, their exploitation of everyone, their prejudices and the discrimination, their crime. And that is just as true today as it has always been, at every level, from international relations to inside the home. We need rescuing. We need a way through. The suffering servant is God himself dying in sacrifice to open the way to truth and life. As Isaiah says, Because of our sins he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We are healed by the punishment he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you humbled yourself in taking the form of a servant and in obedience died on the cross for our salvation. Give us the mind to follow you 
and to proclaim you as Lord and King, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We can now move into a time of silence. Perhaps over the next day or two we can familiarise ourselves with the 15 chapters of Isaiah of Babylon. We are in the presence of the suffering servant. Mm. 